it's Friday night, and you know what that means. That means it is time for another exciting episode of The Devil's Due. Thank you for joining us. I am your host, Carl Duty. With me, as always, is a man who is known in Madripoor as the Lethal Dancer, Mr. Drew Celestino. <laughs> uh, as lethal as I might be, I got nothing on Daniel Bruhl, a.k.a. Baron Zemo. I, I, th- I think you could take him in a dance hall. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I am. I am. Zemo got moves. Zemo got moves. Sir, here we are back again. How are you doing? Ah, uh, I abide. I abide. Um, abide. That I mean that yeah. That's that's all one can do, right? Is is abide. Um, are we kicking things off? Let's let's kick things off. I suppose. Kick it off. There it is. There's the there we quick go. pop. That's what we got going on. Um, Ithaca yeah. Flower Power with pineapple. This is the last can of that eight pack that I've been nursing for a while. So, uh, yep, I'm pretty much out of beer at this point after this. So I'm going to have to make a run this weekend. I'm also Ithaca Flower Power with pineapple. Yes, sir. Elaborate. Um. So as I mentioned before, the Ithaca Flower Power is an old, uh, old staple. Uh, IPA from I mean it's one of the one of the older ones in the in the lineup of the craft beer world and it's always been good. They put out an eight pack recently. Um, I talked about this before with uh, two cans of original recipe flower power, two cans of flower power with uh, galaxy hops, and two cans with mosaic hops. Those were both excellent, and then two cans of flower power with pineapple, which I'm having right now. Nice. Uh, before you and I jumped on our call together, I just finished a very good cup of coffee of a new bean that I've discovered that I'm very interested to do some more exploring with as far as brewing methods go. It's the, it's country of origin is India. Oh, Uh, it's the Indian monsoon Malabar. So the reason it's called monsoon is that the, the harvested seeds are exposed to monsoon rain and winds for three or four months. And so what this does is it causes the beans to swell and lose acidity. And acidity is kind of what causes that bitterness in coffee. Um, And there's a difference between, like, bitterness and sourness. Sure. Um, But it's it's a very, it's it's a heavy-bodied coffee, uh, and it's got an interesting combination of flavor notes. It's got spice and chocolate. In, hmm. And and spice is, has become a very interesting uh, flavor note to me in coffee because it's not like spice like you normally think. It's not like, you know, spice like we think of buffalo, like hot sauce or anything like that. <laughs> the, best, the best way I can describe it is it's almost like it's like a bite, but not bitter or sour. Hmm. Okay. And so it's got that and notes of chocolate with it. It's very smooth, very rich flavor coffee. I'm really enjoying it. Excellent. So that being said, let us stand on some ceremony, sir. How was your weeks? Mm. Um, 
event on event on eventful eventful ish i mean let's see if it was a beer it'd be eventful light ah, i don't do light beer sir um not bad not bad i got my uh first vaccine dosage um unfortunately it did not happen on the day that i said it would last on our last uh discussion um for reasons that i elaborated to you that i will not elaborate on here but i'm not surprised right. but any in any case uh, a few days later, after I was uh, denied my first jab, uh, they opened it up to everyone 30 and over. So I got an appointment immediately, and I got my first jab um, one week ago today. So, uh, yeah, I go back on the 23rd for my second. So that puts me uh, on a trajectory for May the 7th, being my, by the calendar, fully fully vaccinated and immune or what have you uh, so i will getting, i will be a week before get, did you get you got the pfizer i got the pfizer we got that fine german engineering coursing through <laughs> our veins they make a fine watch now, and ideally a fine vaccine so, <laughs> so we'll uh, see so yeah so any side effects or anything? Nah, sore arm the day after. Um, I mean, a little. I felt tired. Like maybe, maybe I felt tired that evening. But um, nah, sore arm the next day, um, which pretty much alleviated itself by the end of the weekend. So all good. Um, I'm gonna be curious to see how that second one goes because I hear that that is the one that will definitely put you down for a little bit. So, um, hey, it is what it is. Uh, let's get it done and hopefully, 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 hopefully. Uh, things can start returning to some level of normalcy with more and more people now able to get the vaccine. So, ah, uh, it's all we can do is hope. Anyway, that that was probably the most eventful thing that has happened in the last couple of weeks. Um, I have not done much gaming of any kind, really. Uh, I've been spending most of my evenings after the dude goes to sleep. Uh, pretty much reading. So I uh, knocked out the second book in the Expanse series, uh, that being uh, Caliban's War. That is now done for, and I am now on to the third book, Abaddon's Gate, which uh, I am about 80 or so pages into. So uh, yeah, moving right along. It's been really interesting now that I'm this far into it to see the differences um, between the book and the show. And there's no... I wouldn't say there's any like major plot or character alterations. Um, but the show actually does some things more, more interesting than the book in some instances. Like they add little subplots and they add some dramatic tension in, 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 in parts. And um, it adds, I don't know. It just adds something to, uh, to, to the proceedings. Whereas the book uh, has more narrative detail, I would say just by, by nature of being able to read you know, background information and things like that. But um, it doesn't necessarily have the big stinger moments um, in the same quantity or, or well, the, the, the show definitely has a, a more, they spiced it up for the show or for the show, I would say, but it's not in a way that alters characters or events significantly, but definitely enhances. So it's, it's been pretty interesting, very interesting compare and contrast. Cool. That's really been it for me. Um, 
as the weather is starting to turn, I'm getting the itch to uh, to brew more and more. So uh, that's 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 edging closer. Um, I I have a plan. I will execute the plan as soon as the weather commits. All right. How was your weeks? My weeks, um, as mentioned, this uh, not this past Saturday, but the Saturday before. I got my first shot of the, the Pfizer. Um, I did not have the uh, same experience as you, sir. Oh. My, uh, my side effects hit me like a wrecking ball. Ouch. And I was pretty much, I was more or less out of commission until like late Tuesday night. And I got mine on Saturday. That's rough. Yeah. Like, Saturday was the one of the worst headaches I'd ever had. Mm. And then we actually read up and found that, yes, you can take some, you know, Advil or something. So that helped. Uh, the fatigue, though, oh, man. It was, like, Saturday, I was, like, I found a comfy spot on the couch. I'm like, this is where, if, if, if a man comes to look for me, he is where he shall find me. Um, Sunday, I made a cup of coffee, made a cup of coffee, Drew, and I'm not talking about like a very elaborate brewing process or anything. I made it with my drip brewer, single cup of coffee. Five minutes later, I felt like I did an entire day of yard work. Damn. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Uh, Tuesday night, I kind of started to come out of it. Wednesday, I was, you know, fully back up and running. So, in advance of the second shot, I've taken a couple of days off work afterwards. <laughs> to, just uh, in case. Just for some insurance. Hopefully, I've just paid my dues all on the first shot. Um, I'm guessing it's probably because I'm considerably out of shape. Um, <laughs> but we'll see. My wife happy to report got her shot today she got the old j and j the johnson and johnson so she was one and done very nice uh so got just gotta give that time for that full immunity to kick in um other than that the only other thing of note from this past couple weeks is the uh the batmobile is uh. finished and it it is quite glorious I'm looking at it right now as it is in my office, away from small five-year-old hands. Um, he's asked me numerous times, can I play the Batmobile? And it's no. always a sharp, immediate, definitive no. <laughs> so it is It is quite the beast. It's roughly, I would say, from bumper to back fins, about two feet long. Wow. And probably just under a wide that is a massive massive batmobile it is it is quite glorious um and i very much enjoyed doing it uh so yeah that's pretty much it uh that is our weeks dear listeners if you would like to uh reach out to us tell us about your weeks ask us any questions or suggest some topics of discussion for the show you can do so at the following social media locations. You can follow us on Twitter at Devils Do Pod. You can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Devils Do Pod. 
You can email us at thedevilsdopod at gmail.com or you can find all these resources available to you on our website, thedevilsdopodcast.com. Drew, that being said, uh, with my wife getting her first, her first, and as it turned out, only go, she didn't know she was getting the Johnson Johnson until she was there. Um, I didn't put out the bat signal because I didn't know if we would actually be recording tonight. So we don't have any email questions, but I thought, why should the listeners have all the fun? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask through some questions. I thought of, I thought of three questions. Um, you know, two of which have more like philosophical life thoughts, things, decisions, <laughs> wants, desires by Carl. Deep Henry. thoughts. Um, third one, probably a little more show oriented. Okay. Are you ready, sir? Sure. Let's do it. Okay. So first question, you must pick one of these three and then explain why it's that one over the other two. Mm, okay. So you have a choice. Um, you can either study for one year with a master guitar smith, mm. a guitar builder. Ah, okay. You may study for one year under a master guitar smith. Or you may study for one year under a master beer brewer. Mm. Not sure what the name for that is. Um, or you may study for one year under a master chef. Mm. Which one will it be? Why is it that one over the other two? Um, I'm going to say Brewer. Okay. And I would say that because if I put that kind of time in under a master brewer, I would have a lot more confidence uh, in my pie-in-the-sky idea to have my own brewery. <laughs> mm. In fact, that would probably be the, the push, that, not the push over the edge. That would, be, that would be the prerequisite to take the plunge, to do it. Okay. So, yeah. To study under a guitar builder, uh, which is called a luthier, by the way. Um, I I know enough about that field, and I've done a few guitars of my own, to know that... Um, I know enough to know that I don't want to pursue that any, anymore. <laughs> it's very demanding, and... Um, I, I, that's it. That's, 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 that's an instance of where I'd rather be playing them than building them. And then as far as being a chef, a studying under a chef for year, that would be great. Um, and rewarding for sure. Um, but it's just not something that I feel I need to do for any higher purpose necessarily right now. Whereas the, if I studied under a master brewer for a year, um, I feel like I'd be getting a ton of knowledge that, um, I, I actively would like to have and put to use for an endeavor that I've been pondering for the better part of probably a decade. So yeah. All right. Excellent. Cool. All right. Second question. What is 
something about you that you love mm. that not many people know about. <laughs> Wait. It can be it can be a specific thing, it can be a practice, it can be just an idea, it can be just something about you that you love that not a lot of people know about. Something I love about myself or No, just something that you that you love. Not oh, necessarily oh. about yourself. I got ice. Okay, I was gonna say because if it's about me, not much. Yeah. Not much. I don't like much about myself. <laughs> um, but something, thing, something I love that most people don't know about. Hmm. Interesting. Let's see. Um, that's a little. That's that's a does, does not have to be a material thing. It can be a a concept, an idea, um, and you know, I a weather a weather pattern, a weather pattern. <laughs> Um. Wow, that most people that people most people wouldn't know about. Hmm. Jeez. Um. I'm so vocal about all the things I I really love. So it's <laughs> I don't know if there's anything that's gonna like shock anybody. Um. Uh, has has my soft spot for disco and funk come up at all in this podcast? <laughs> I don't believe so. Okay. Well, that's, that's, that's kind of a hidden, it's kind of a, I don't, I don't actively put it on, but if like I spent enough time in a, uh, retail job to know all the music channels. And at a certain point in my life, like I knew what all the, what they all were. And I just left it on the disco station. And eventually it just kind of got like, I'm cool with all this. <laughs> I'm never going to actively put it on in my private time, but if you leave me in, you know, trapped in a room or whatever with just like the disco station or the funk station, I'm not, I'm not complaining. Let's put it that way. You're not going to actively put it on, but you're also not going to actively turn it off. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I'll, I'll leave it on. Like, oh, Casey and the sunshine bands on. All right. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the Bee Gees are on. All right, cool. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. I actually, I, I posed a question on my Facebook. It's funny that you mentioned the Bee Gees. I posed a question on my Facebook page earlier this week. What uh, musical style, performer, band, artist did, could you not stand in your youth, but you've grown to appreciate as you've grown older? Mm. My answer actually was the Bee Gees. Ah. Well, you know, Led Zeppelin yeah. didn't always write tunes that people liked. They left that to the Bee Gees. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, last question. We're going to go a little more show-oriented. Okay. What is a memory of your times and arcades mm. that was something that immediately springs to mind when you think of arcades or just like a fond memory that you cherish from that time. Ooh. Um, okay. Deep, deep one. So the first thing that springs to mind, uh, about arcades in my, in my mind is my dad taking me to the arcade at the Thruway mall. Um, which was just across the parking lot from Child World, if you recall. 
Yep. Um, and just uh, they had the full cockpit version of the Star Wars arcade game. Oh yeah, I remember playing that a lot. Um, I remember the Turtles arcade game being front and center there when it first came out, and it being incredible and blowing everyone's mind because Turtle Mania was the biggest thing in the world at the time. Um, I remember my dad, like being, despite like him not liking video games, he was actually like really into Galaga. I don't even know if he remembers that. And I remember like seeing, uh, pit fighter and thinking, Oh my God, how did they do these graphics? (laughs) Pit fighter. I loved and 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 like oddly enough like years later not that long but i mean i don't even know what your pit fighter came out but i but x amount of years after that uh a little game called mortal Kombat would come out and i and i would be like hey that looks like pit fighter (laughs) yep (laughs) um that's my first memory of like arcade that uh, was the throughway mall arcade um and then we'd go get egg rolls at the Chinese place, like right, th- right down the the way from the arcade. Uh, so that's my first memory of it. And then I guess like if there's a, a lingering just thing in my brain about it, it's uh, the Mortal Kombat uh, explosion and the height of it all. Um, I I remember. Mortal Kombat coming out. I remember it being the coolest thing in the world when it came out. Uh, getting completely sucked into it. Um, I rem- going to putt putt uh, as often as I could, and uh, then subsequently, Mortal Kombat Two came out in the arcades, and I remember when that landed, and it was that. Then it became like, okay, the arcade is now my life, kind of. So every Saturday, I'm gonna be at putt putt with my $5 for my 40 tokens and my slice of pizza and yada yada for super Saturday. That was, uh, that was every Saturday for the better part of a year or more with my friend, my, uh, who, you know, I, who I met at an arcade and we became friends because of mortal Kombat. Um, very, uh, very influential time in my life, junior high, you know, that, that, that era of my life. So, definitely left a huge impression on me so when i think arcade that's what i think of yeah and that got me onto the internet mortal mortal kombat got me onto the internet (laughs) and the rest is history now it's my job (laughs) for better or worse i wonder that myself sometimes (laughs) all right cool Sometimes. Mm-hmm. All right. So, next. Oh, uh, really quickly, as we're talking about arcades, I would be remiss if I did not offer a heartfelt congratulations to friend of the show, Mr. Nate Lockhart. Oh. Who has come to my knowledge, he has recently come into ownership possession of his very own pinball machine. Oh, wow. Yeah. You got a, a classic pinball machine. I believe it's called Aztec. And he, like, it needed a little bit of work, and he did all the work himself. Um, just, like, 
and he showed me some like inside shots of it. And there's a chaotic beauty uh, to the wiring that went on in these old school pinball machines. So Nate's Nate's show, The Memory Machine, is actually back up and running. Ah. In his recent episode, he talks with someone about uh, pinball machines and restorations. You can actually catch his show on Spotify. So just search The Memory Machine. Uh, There's a couple other sources that's available through. I'm not 100% sure what they are off the top of my head, but uh, Spotify. So once you're done listening to us, give give, uh, The Memory Machine a listen. It's a good show. All right, so let's get on to some news. Keep it kind of kind of light and loose this week. Uh, we have a trailer, Drew. We got a full trailer for Loki. We sure did. Lot, lots of lots of things happening there. There is uh, quite a bit to un. I don't even know. Well, I don't know what there is to unpack necessarily, but there's a lot going on there. Yeah, it's I I've begun to grow a large appreciation for how the Disney plus Marvel shows have been promoted and to extent the Mandalorian as well. So they both kind of do the same thing. 90% of the footage you see in the trailers leading up from the show are usually just the first two episodes. Right. Right. And like, it's it's done really well, but there's just so much going on here. Owen Wilson doing Owen Wilson things. Well, they um, they, they saved the wow. We didn't get the wow in the trailer, so you but you know it's coming. I mean, it's kind of has to. So, but but what did you think? What were your first impressions? I mean, obviously we're gonna watch it. Um, do. Of course. No, my my immediate thought was like whoever. Was whoever at Marvel realized early on that Tom Hiddleston like rules as this character and they need to find more ways to just kind of keep him around no matter what, give that person a raise. <laughs> okay. Um yes. so despite Loki's untimely or timely demise in Infinity War, uh here the variant edition from Endgame exists still. Which I think, which I do like, is a plot point of the show, because um, it's 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 not original recipe Loki. It's it's a alternate version Loki, kind of. So that's an interesting wrinkle because I think you know the the Loki that we came to really love, not that we didn't love him before, but the one that we came to really love uh, had a lot of character growth after the first Avengers film, and this version. Did not. This is the Loki basically straight out of the Avengers film. So he's still rather villainous and hasn't had the heart to heart with Thor necessarily yet and all that business. So, okay, this is, he gets, he's going to play it a little different than the last time we saw him. Um, In addition, there's apparently some kind of time patrol commission or something in the MCU that we have not heard of before. And that seems like a rather big thing to just kind of have lurking out there. So I'm I'm very interested to see uh, how they explain this in a you know somewhat coherent way that doesn't make our eyes glaze over. 
but it makes a lot of sense uh, considering the um, alleged casting and introduction of Kang the Conqueror in the upcoming um, Ant-Man and Wasp film. So just yes. a, just a lot of a lot of question marks, a lot of like I wonder where they're going. Um, which Marvel is excellent at doing. They 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 sure do know how to uh, make you curious about what's going on. All right. Cool. Yeah, I mean, pretty much the same for me. It looks a lot of fun. It looks interesting. They showed some flashy stuff on the screen, and I'm, you know, I'm in. It's Marvel. Yeah. Um, all right. So I wonder if this Loki finds a way to stick around, you know, like this, there's just a lot, you know, a lot I mean, of, a lot of, lot always, of questions. Always possible. Soon the second you introduce time travel or some facsimile of that, the, the bonds of what is permanent and what is not become very malleable. Yeah, yeah. So, right now, from Endgame going forward, like, before Endgame, nothing is off the table. Now, really, nothing is off the table. Yeah, they, I mean, they could do almost anything at this point. Yeah. So, it's funny, because, like, I was thinking about it, um, like, a lot of science fiction fantasy uh, franchises kind of have a version of this like the time patrol patrol like the time stream and whatnot um, so yeah I'm not sure I'm not familiar enough with any comics they this I know they exist previously in the comics I, I'm pretty sure they weren't created just for the show mm-hmm. um so yeah, it it just made me think of it because like I saw they they released a teaser for Picard season two, uh, and, and Q is coming back, which actually would give me interest because Q is probably my favorite character from Next Generation. Uh, if you would have if man prior to Picard season one, if you were to throw that at me, I would have been like okay. However, then Picard season one happened, and I did not watch it, but I I saw some Cliff's Notes summary of events, and I saw some clips of the show itself, and I I read the the synopsis of what happens on Picard season one, and my my brain just goes, is is this the same Picard from the next generation? Because this doesn't make... I haven't I haven't watched it, but doesn't he become like an android at he, the end of it? Yeah, he does. He does, and a whole lot of other dumb things happen that if you pay attention to Star Trek at all, you'd go like, "Well, that doesn't make any sense, <laughs> plot wise." Um, yeah, but JJ and 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 what's the other guy's name? Kurtzman and these people in charge of Star Trek. I don't think they care about Star Trek. I think they just care about. Uh, I don't know. They're 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 more interested in trying to make Star Trek trying to trying to sell people on Star Trek being exciting than they are actually like trying to make good Star Trek. 
And I, and I think that's been the case from the beginning with the JJ Trek films. It's always been this kind of like mission to like make Trek appealing to people. Trek is appealing to people already. It might not be as yeah. many people that like star Wars necessarily. Right. But right. it's, it's that's, they're not the same things. We want different things from these properties. So why do you stop trying to make it into something that it's not? Um, yeah. And especially I, with I the feel... car. man, with Picard, don't, oh, don't take, don't take something that already exists in trying to make it into something that it's not. Cause then you're just, you're just stepping on the legacy at that point. Yeah. I feel like in the past, and I mentioned this earlier in a chat we had, I feel like over the past 20 years, Star Trek has had an identity crisis. Oh, yeah, for sure. That it is very much forgotten its roots and is much more like a lot of other sci-fi out there now. And that's like, yeah, it's you know, I don't, show. I don't go to... Uh, Star Trek for flashy spaceship battles and whatnot. I got Star Wars for that. Yeah. I go to Star Trek for like philosophical concepts and ideas, something more akin to what science fiction originally was. Um, You're a thousand percent right. I'm kind of hoping that it finds its way sooner rather than later. Um, But, I mean, again, that being said, you're bringing Q back. It's got me interested. Uh, We'll see what they do with it. It, again on paper it's like i, I want to, i i i want to be interested in it but uh, i just don't have faith in the powers that be to deliver that to me yeah all right so moving right along yeah uh we got it's not really like a trailer but like an announcement i don't know how they do with toys and whatnot what you call it but Preview images have been shown of the toys that are coming out in support of the forthcoming Snake Eyes G.I. Joe origin film. Now, Drew, your your history with G.I. Joe films is <laughs> is, is not is not great. Well um, there there is one uh one film that was just a, a straight uh, DP to your soul. <laughs> wow. Um, and then another film that was Dragon Punch, right, Carl? Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I meant. That's right. That's not what I meant. <laughs> that's not what I meant. The audience knows <laughs> what I meant. Yeah, I show, Carl. Jeez. <laughs> that's why I didn't say it out full. <laughs> um, and then, and then the second film was kind of like, all right, this is better than that. Yeah, uh, neither is good, but um, the second <laughs> one is actually more enjoyable. For, for yeah. a litany of reasons, but the second one gets a lot more right than the first one did. Um, yeah. In fact, I, I have seen parts of the second one on recently, and it's like, this is this is okay not great yeah. but it's okay they get the co- like cobra's pretty cool not everyone in cobra's you know, cool fire ninja fight i got ray stevenson as firefly like all right i'm yeah. i'm here for this uh cobra commander looks boss um we got we got you know great ninja stuff happening that whole ninja sequence when is is bananas um yeah you know there's 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 a lot to like in that second movie believe it or not uh, i think we got not- the rizza 
<laughs> yeah, right, right, right. I think there's honest to God his tanks in that second movie. Um, yes. So, so you know, there's there's that, things. Yeah. So we have a new GI Joe movie currently in production. It is a Snake Eyes origin film. I think it's and done. That, and and the thing is, I think it's like being. I think it's like done filming, and no one has seen like anything from it. So they're keeping it real tight. Well, up until now, yeah, right, right, right. They they released images of what the toys look like. Now, you know, back in the day, might not be the best representation of what you're going to see on screen. Nowadays, the toys they're they're pretty accurate to what you're going to see on screen. So, Drew, yes, what, what are, we got we got four figures. We got Snake Eyes, Storm Shadow, Baroness, and Scarlet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what are your thoughts on those? Um. My immediate thought is uh, I did not know that uh, the Baroness or Scarlet were going to be in this movie. So that's uh, pretty surprising, number one. Number two, um, they they look, I mean, you know, they look like I would expect them to look, I guess. There's nothing outlandish. Uh, snake eyes looks like snake eyes. There's no lips that I can discern. So that's a good sign. <laughs> uh, he wears black and storm shadow wears white. Okay, cool. Or that you, you, you got that right. Um, I think I was also rather surprised to see, uh, Scarlet, um, get a figure. And the one that we saw even, and the thing is, I think there's two, there's the classified versions and then there's the other versions. So the, first set of pictures that we saw i'm trying to pull them up now um the first set that we saw and i think i might have shared them with you guys scarlet's costume was like pretty much off the page more or less which blew my mind that they that that's the case um with the you know the gold tan you know top and you know what in the you know the gray undersuit and all that stuff like they, right. That was pretty much it. And um, there's another version, though. And that's the thing. I don't know if uh, I don't know if they're different series or what. Because I'm looking at it right now. So I'm looking at the, the I'm looking at the Scarlet right now, and it looks like the the very comics accurate Scarlet. But then there's another version that Scarlet looks. Uh, she has red hair, and there's yellow on her shoulders, but her black jacket or whatever is not not uh tan yellow or whatever it's 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 gray so i don't know which is real maybe they're both real maybe they get multiple looks in the movie um but that the the move or the you know the accuracy of that first one shocked me i was like oh god they're they're doing straight up Scar- scarlet and snake eyes okay cool um baroness looks like baroness does she have dark hair yes does she have glasses yes Okay, it's the Baroness. <laughs> you know, yep. is she wearing black? Yep. All right, that's her. Um, we got red ninjas. We got night creepers. Okay, cool. Uh, this could be neat. I don't have high hopes for the film, but I mean, at least the appearances of it look, you know, like I would want it to look. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I mean, we kind of have discussed between this and the the trailer for Mortal Kombat, um, the annoying trend of over-designing ninjas. Yeah. I'll say this much for Snake Eyes, though. He looks a little more svelte than the Mortal Kombat costumes. So, 
pro- points to G.I. Joe for that. <laughs> true, true, he does. I'm looking at these myself. Um, so yeah, here's here's hoping. I have no idea what it's going to be. I mean, literally, I, I I know it's an origin of Snake Eyes. So as you pointed out, the one figure comes with a uh, alternate head with a face, <laughs> and that threw you for a yeah. loop. <laughs> I was like, "What the, the hell?" Yeah. Um, Snake Eyes ain't got no face. In the comics, they never really showed his face. Um, maybe for a panel, but never at like full. You know, hey, that's just Snake Eyes' face. No, no they they never really did that. Um, so I, part of me is like a little miffed, but at the same time, they're making a movie about the guy. I, I guess he kind of has to have a face and talk <laughs> at some point. He can't be just a mute faceless nobody if he's, if it's his movie, I suppose. Then again, you've got, you know, supporting cast that can do the narrative legwork where snake eyes could not. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. All right. So high up threat. Okay, what do we got next? So we got we got a little surprise uh game drop from Nintendo this week. Uh the uh they've had a lot of great success with Tetris ninety nine. Uh, my wife absolutely loves that game. Then we had Mario thirty five. Good kind of lacked the intensity of Tetris 99. Um, now we have Pac-Man 99. Mm. Uh, once again, a free download. And pretty much it's you playing Pac-Man against 99 other people. When you chop a ghost, you send it to another person's screen, and it shows up. It doesn't show up as another ghost. It shows up as this like white outline of Pac-Man. And it chases after you, and if it gets you, it slows you down. Mm. So does it have and, the uh, frantic energy of a um, Tetris ninety nine, or is it uh, somewhere in the maybe in the middle? The intensity is definitely there. Okay, because like you, it's not like traditional Pac Man where you're trying to finish a board of pellets. Like, you are just trying to keep those ghosts as blue as much as possible. Add more ghosts, because they form, they're like, on the two sides of the board, there's a row of ghosts you can chop that, are again, are kind of like the blank outline of ghosts. And once you chop them, it adds to, like, a conga line of ghosts following one of the ghosts. And when you hit a power pellet, all those ghosts become blue. So you can chop like 30 ghosts in a row. Oh, nice. And you're sending them all over the place. And as the game progresses, the ghosts get faster. Um, the outlines become deadly because they randomly drop in red outline, Pac-Man outlines, and those can actually kill you. Mm. Um, and power pellets last uh, shorter. Uh, the best I've done in the game is third. That's pretty good. Uh, it, it was it was good. Uh, the, I highly recommend the Joy Cons are a little harder. That's just the fact for, of life. <laughs> they're not. They're not. Yeah. 
they're not built for rapid precision movement. Um, so yeah, barring that, it's free download if you have uh, Nintendo Online. It's a lot of fun. I highly recommend it. All right. I have been meaning to check it out. Um, I just have not done it yet. Yep. And Drew, another thing that we and many people who listen to the show do love is some Mystery Science Theater 3000. I love, as you may know, Mystery Science Theater 3000. We got it back for a short time on Netflix via Kickstarter campaign. It came back. It stuck around for two seasons. Uh, technically two, I would argue that it's more like one and a half. Um, the second season was like six episodes. Yep. So two ish seasons and then Netflix decided to cancel it as Netflix has want to do. Yep. And, but it's back in Kickstarter form. It is back yet again. Um, and, uh, in, in true mystery science theater, 3000 on Kickstarter fashion, uh, they shattered their goal in the first day <laughs> this time around. Well, not shattered, but they met their goal in, in the first day. Um, so this time around, they are not pitching it to a network. Um, this time around, they are looking into or trying to build a sustainable model um, for themselves with a subscription service, which you can you know feel how you want about that. But for, for fans that want more Mystery Science Theater... The proposal here is, okay, if we get X amount of dollars, we will start a subscription service, and if you back it, obviously, you get your subscription, you know, for however many months you you back, and anyone that wants to watch more Mystery Science Theater can, and they can do it at their leisure whenever they want to, and as long as people are subscribed, and as long as they meet their goals, this can go on forever. Like, they can make new episodes um, whenever they want and put them out whenever they want. Uh, the thing with the Netflix seasons is they had to film all of them and then release them all at once. As that that is the Netflix model, the binge model. So they there's pros and cons to that. Obviously, um, I would say a big con to it is they committed to whatever they committed to, they being the creators and. They had to create it all and put it out there and not necessarily know if it was all going to work for the fans. And I think a lot of fans had some valid criticisms of the uh, first Netflix season, which did change up a bit in the second. I think they really started to hit their stride in that second season based on the feedback, I, I think anyway, of, of the first. And with this new model, they're talking about like filming and releasing as they go no more get 10 episodes in the can and put them out no like we got one let's do it and put it out and i think that gives them a lot more leeway to consider fan feedback and um double you know double down on what works and diminish or get rid of what is not working and they can do that in a better clip um with this new model so i backed i did not back at the level that i did uh previously however i might um, throw a little more money at it when I'm able, um, because, uh, I, there are rewards at higher tiers that I kind of want to, uh, I, I, let's just say I wouldn't mind having, um, the first time around I back to the level where my name is in the credits of one of the episodes. So that made me very happy. But anyway, I'm, I'm thrilled that it's back. 
Um, Mystery Science Theater is very, very, very near and dear to me um, in, in ways I may have, I probably said before on the show, but like a lot of my sense of humor and a lot of my uh, media criticism in a way, I maybe I could reach back and stem from Mystery Science Theater and I have a degree in media studies. So, you know, my critical brain may have was probably formed <laughs> watching Mystery Science Theater as a child uh, and a lot of my sense of humor about things. So I'm, I'm happy it's coming back. Um, I know there's a lot of cynics out there that are like, eh, Netflix seasons weren't very good and they're going back and they're asking for more money and that no one, no, I, I don't know. People, people hate when creative things ask for money and whatever, man, it's, it's something I love. And if it's going to, come back i'm happy to contribute to it because it's i know it's gonna give me joy so all right yeah did i did i ever talk about the live shows that i went to on this show i think i did didn't i i think you did yeah man those they were so so much fun so much fun can't recommend that enough if if that ever happens again (laughs) live shows what are those uh if if live events ever happen again and Mystery Science Theater ever does another tour, um, I would highly recommend everyone go. Super fun. Had a great time. All right. We'll get there again. So, All right. So, uh, wrapping up the news, got a couple quick reviews here. All right. Um, I watched a film this week and I played a new game this week. All right. Uh, which one would you like first, Drew? Um, give me the game first. Okay, so the game, I was jumping on the Switch, playing with William, and I you know, went into the eShop, like you do, yeah. just to see what's come out. And I saw this game called Retromania Wrestling. Ah! And I was like, I've never heard of this. And then I played the trailer, and I was like, oh my. <laughs> oh this my. looks really fun. It is essentially, it is officially the sequel to the uh, WWF arcade game WrestleFest. Um, probably the best arcade wrestling game of all time. It's that and I mean, there was two of them. WrestleFest being one of them. Um, they're kind of 1A and 1B to me. Um, sa- I think Saturday Night Main Event is the other one. Or WWE main event. Uh, trying to think it of was, it was the one that preceded WrestleFest. Correct, that's correct. Uh, wow, why can't I think of the one before it? Mm, Superstar. It was just called WWF Superstars. Okay, my bad. I I, I apologize. Right. But in any case, yeah, uh, I mean it's a classic. Yeah, uh, those games are classic. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. So I saw this game and it's got legit real wrestlers in it from kind of all over the place. Yeah. There's some classic wrestlers in there. The Road Warriors, uh, Nikita Kolov, um, the, uh, the Blue World Order, which I'm not as familiar with. <laughs> um, but uh, there's also some current ones. Matt Cardona's in there. Nice. Uh, Jeff Cobb. Oh, very nice. Um, Cole Cabana? Uh, Cole Cabana is in there. Yeah. Cole Boom Boom himself. Um, and also there's, there's a character by the name of Johnny Retro. Oh. Who, 
who was at one point Johnny Mundo. That's correct. Lucha Underground. The mayor of Slamtown. Uh, and apparently many, many other Johnny. Johnny Impact. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I got the game. And this game is insanely fun. It's it's twenty five dollars. As far as modes go, it's a little light. You get a story mode in which you play through as Johnny Retro, and it essentially teaches you the ins and outs of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a uh, ten pounds of gold mode in which you have to. It's like kind of the ladder of uh, tournament form in the game. You just kind of work your way up to Nick Aldis to win the oh, NWA title. Oh, that's cool. All right. Yeah. Uh, Nick Aldis, Zach Saber Jr. Um, yeah. It's, it's got a... It's got a Zach Saber Jr. Very nice. 16 or 18 different wrestlers with a couple of DLC to come. Um, so you've got that. You've got standard versus mode, which is extremely customizable as far as the match goes. And then you've got the retro rumble mode, which is your Royal Rumble uh, style. You can have up to eight competitors in the ring at the same time, and which I found that you kinda, I turned down to six maximum at the same time because at eight, it just gets so insane. Uh the the grapple system takes a little getting used to, uh, but once you get the hang of it, it's a lot of fun. So it's not so much based off of um, like butt mashing, like old pro wrestling or something like that. You have a, a strong, uh, strong medium and weak grapple, and you have an instance from when you lock up to where you can press the button to dictate if the grapple was successful or not. Okay. Like it's 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 like a timing uh thing and there's there's like the character flashes green if you did it right. Um and then kind of from there you go and input the move you want to do. Um you know you press the weak grapple button again and then just the directional and each directional was a different move. Um you know throw them in the ropes what have you. Uh, there are like button mashing clashes, like an old WrestleFest where you would like lock up and have to mash out to who can get two punches in first. And, uh, you know, once you do that, you win the grapple and kind of get control. Um, matches are very customizable. It's really cool. Uh, for, for 25 bucks, it is well worth it. Um, and, I highly recommend it. If you are looking for, if you for on a couple levels, if you are um, of the older proclivities as Drew and I are, and you remember the WrestleFest arcade game and you loved it, definitely get that. If you're looking for a really good wrestling game, definitely get it. And I'd be remiss if we didn't uh, mention that the soundtrack is done by Buffalo's own Danimal Cannon. Look at that. Buffalo's own. I've played shows with Dan, and, and he's awesome. So, uh, yeah. It's a, it's a pretty good soundtrack. There you go. The, uh, the visual is kind of that 16-bit plus visual, or like, not even 16-bit plus. It's like somewhere between 16 and 32-bit. 
It's all pixel art, things like that. Very well animated. Really fun. So definitely uh, pick it up if you get a chance. All right. So the movie drew, as we saw this week on uh, Dynamite, as it was promoted ad nauseum for a match. <laughs> uh, this past week, we got the hotly anticipated Godzilla vs. Kong film. Ah. And on HBO Max. Um, I watched it, and you know what? I had fun. I had a lot of fun. Uh, it so the the monster parts are amazing, and the the they don't waste time. They don't waste a lot of time getting into their fights. There's a couple rounds between Godzilla and Kong until um, they until they uh, fight face the well folks spoilers <laughs> uh, so they face the final boss at the end um the human parts the there was like a human storyline for godzilla and the human storyline for kong the human storyline for godzilla involved uh the cast that we got to know in godzilla king of the monsters which i watched again before watching kong and still enjoyable as i get out um, and then the, the, uh, Kong storyline kind of had like new people in and whatnot. It was, as far as human stuff goes, it did not draw me in as much as the previous three films. Um, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, Kong, Skull Island, and just Godzilla. In those three films, the human aspect, while granted, it's not what you're buying the ticket for still managed to be interesting and keep my attention in Godzilla versus Kong. Not so much. Mm. Um, it's a very tight movie. It's just under two hours, uh, which after having to go through Zack Snyder's justice league is a very welcome change. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it, it was a lot of fun. The The final boss of the movie turned out to be Mechagodzilla. Ah, of course. Infused with the, the brainwaves of King Ghidorah. Oh, okay. Which is why, explains why Godzilla is trying so hard to like, like Godzilla is attacking this tech company's locations. No one has any idea why. Well, now we know. Turns out. Yeah, it turns out like because they were harvesting the brain waves of King Ghidorah. Yeah, build Mechagodzilla, and dude, the Mechagodzilla fight is just awesome. <laughs> but there is there is a definitive winner in Godzilla versus Kong. And oh boy, is there a definitive winner? Because Drew, yeah, your boy brushed the monkey. <laughs> of course he did. He's Godzilla. Damn it, brushed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, rounds. I I read I read some things, and I heard that like eventually Kong comes around and like does get some licks in, and and you know makes it a a fight at a certain point. But it was only after Godzilla completely like wrecks him. <laughs> yeah, it was like Kong got some shots in. Like you know how like when you got. I, you know, I don't want to say Kong was a jobber in the film, <laughs> but he 
course he's the job guy. Oh, he was kind of the Brooklyn Brawler. Oh, I'm not dear. gonna lie. Like he got, he had a moment here and there, and he got like a good shot or two in. But at one point, at the end of the last round, Godzilla's just standing on him and essentially just saying, "We good? You done? <laughs> I I can lie to with you, son, all night long." Oh man. Uh, and it was just like, hey, look, that's rush. If if you were to ask me, and I I've probably been on record saying that's how it would go, man. <laughs> He's Godzilla. He's the king of the monsters, and uh, they had to size up Kong considerably to even have this fight take place. So, uh, it, it was never in doubt. <laughs> So, if you have the means to see it and you just want some, you know, some fun, it's just, it's fun. Okay. All right. Check it out. Um, you, you, did you ever see King of the Monsters? I did not. I meant to. And, like, that, that was around. Sure. I know. See, the thing is, that was, like, around the time that, like, Grant was born. And, like, at that point, my movie going days were, like, thrown way out of whack. So, I didn't get yeah. a chance to see it. And that's just where I've been <laughs> ever since. Then COVID yeah. happened, and what are theaters? So, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. Uh, yeah, it's a really enjoyable. And are they going to keep making more of these? Because I know, like... I think so. Okay. Like, neither one of them died. All right, well, uh, let's let's keep it going. I Like, I hope so. They haven't made a bad one yet. Get, let's get Gamera involved. Gamera, Gamera. Which one was Gamera again? He's the turtle. He he made an appearance in King of the Monsters. No, get out yeah. of here! Yeah, he did. What? No, get. Did I'm I'm, go- have, I'm like, googling this right now. Are you serious? Yeah, he did not have a prominent. It was like a cameo at best. Oh, okay. But he he was in there. Like you see him emerging and start to move. That wow! It's it's definitely not a blink and you miss a moment. Like he's on screen for for a very noticeable bit, but like, yeah, he's in there. What a time to be alive! <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> what a time to be alive! Oh my god! Yeah, it's uh, it's great. So, Drew, let's uh, talk really quick because we were gonna do it last week, but we ran a little long, like. Snyder conversations are like to do. Uh, um, so Falcon and Winter Soldier is ah, three episodes in. I, I've only wait. Yeah, I haven't watched this week's episode. Okay, good. We're on the, we're on the same page then. Right. So what what are your we're halfway through, what are your initial thoughts and reactions well my immediate thought is I can't believe we're halfway in because I didn't know they were only doing six episodes. I thought it was gonna be more. Um, but I'm fine with whatever we're getting is fine. Uh, it's cool. Um, it, knowing that we, knowing that we're only getting three more is a little disappointing considering I feel like there's a lot of fertile ground that they've set up that we're probably not going to get resolution to, uh, given the timeframe that we're in. But, um, that said, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I just hope that they can flesh out all the things that they've kind of set up. Um, but 
Uh, Daniel Brühl as Zemo has been the unexpected hit and certainly the breakout meme of the show. <laughs> I th- More Zemo dancing. As I said to uh, in our chat, um, if you were to tell a little child, child version of me, or you for that matter, go back in time and be like, someday in the same year, there's going to be a four-hour Justice League movie. And you'd be like, your little child self would be like, oh my god. And then you'd be like, and in the same year, there's going to be three seconds of Baron Zemo dancing that's even better than that. (laughs) And your child self would be like, what are you talking about, dude? And he'd think you were insane. But here we are, Carl. That three seconds of Zemo dancing yep. is everything. <laughs> yep. It's everything. It's uh it's really fantastic. It's so stupid, but um, it's amazing. Yeah. They've Marvel TV and I this is something that I feel really actually did start with the Netflix shows. Um they're very good at making a series about something at its core, so like I if think you Marvel at, in general is that's that's their greatest strength. I, I don't think any yeah, of these like, mo- I don't think any of these movies take off the way they do if there isn't something. This is what they do better than WBDC stuff. They they just they get the core of these characters, and they the WB the CW. That's not what I, I, didn't, talk, I didn't. I didn't mean CW. That's not what I meant. I meant Warner. Yeah. I meant Warner yeah. Apologies. Films. Yes, yeah. the films. Yes. But Marvel, man, they they get it. They just they just get it, and they know how to show it to you in a way that makes you get it. And yeah. that's that's why you can have twenty movies or whatever, and still going. And that's why you can have a three second clip of this guy dancing that makes you go that makes you squee because you, you know, that guy from the movie he was in and you know, the tone of all this stuff and you see him do that. And it's like, it's hilarious, but, but it's also kind of revealing about his character. Like, of course he's a trashy Euro snob. And of course he would dance like that. (laughs) It's it's stupid, but it's hilarious. It totally works. James, you must listen to it. It is perfectly encompasses the African heritage. <laughs> I mean, he's out of line, but he's right. That I was, just love the look on Sam's face. That was great. That was excellent. He's, he's out of line, but he's right. I mean, I know Zemo was inevitably going to betray them, but for now, well, obviously, he's, but yeah. he's a revelation for now. Yeah. But, like, kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, like, when you look at the Netflix shows, Mm. you know, Daredevil was about dealing with guilt. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. Jessica Jones was about trauma recovery. Uh, Luke Cage was a lot about, you know, race and realities of race in America. Um, Iron Fist was, you know, we, yeah, we don't talk about Iron Fist. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you look at WandaVision, WandaVision at its core is about dealing with grief. Yeah. And Falcon and Winter Soldier is, so far, seems to be, again, dealing with race in a much different way 
than Luke Cage did. Yeah, um, very different. In a very poignant way. Now, granted, we said on the show numerous times before, there's things, you know, I feel authoritative to speak on. You know, the the experience of being black in America is not one of those things. Um, but, like, I've seen a lot of positive reaction for a lot of the issues they're tackling, especially with, you know, Isaiah Bradley showing up. Yeah, yeah. Just, just like, the, the emotional gut punch for those who kind of know who he is. And even if you if you paid attention to that scene and you read between the lines of what he was saying, it, it, there here yeah there was a a black Captain America and uh, no yeah. they they didn't tell you about it for for reasons <laughs> and uh, they took his blood without his uh, without his consent and if you look into the history of that with African Americans that's pretty dark too and, and it very insidious. Um, in real there is real world examples of that and it's uh it's it's not yeah it, it the show is going places that uh i'm i'm it it need it, it's it's not pulling punches and i think that's that's awesome and like you i'm not qualified to speak on you know all of this stuff with any sort of authority however to me just as a as a viewer and knowing what i know it feels very in the spirit of things and it feels very authentic and it hasn't, uh, you know, it hasn't pulled its punches. Yeah. Um, I was very excited to see them go to Madripoor. Uh, me too. And at the not... same time, I was just like, Oh God, the mean talk is going to start again. Well, I fear, folks, I, I fear, I feared that, but has it, uh, here and there. I think after WandaVision, I think people might have calmed down with all that. I really hope so. Folks, listen, we're going to get to mutants. Don't <laughs> worry. We'll get there. They'll find we'll a way. Get um, but yeah, so... Wolverine's going to show up again, kids. Don't worry. You'll get your snicky snicky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's too much money. There's too much money on the table not to do the sneaky snicky. Right. Uh, so yeah, halfway through, very good, very enjoyable. Um, three more to go. We'll get do a full recap after the next three. Uh, so moving on to the main course of the night. Um, not sure how long we'll spend on this. We'll kind of see where the conversation goes. Uh, on last week's episode, we we're just I can't remember exactly what we were discussing. We kind of veered into the the idea of it was a combination of what do we want from comics? What do we expect from comics? And why do comics exist? In 2021. In 2021. And should they still? So I think we both kind of wanted to revisit um, that discussion and we're gonna do so this week. Uh so Drew, let me start us off by simply asking, you know, in twenty twenty one and and not not approaching it cynically and just like really looking at it, why do comics exist? 
Well, <laughs> I can't just tackle that up front. Uh, comic books historically existed as cheap entertainment. Um, cheap entertainment. They were cheaply produced. They were printed on low-grade paper. Uh, they, you know were disposable, fair, fairly disposable. Uh, parents gave them to kids. They were easy entertainment for soldiers overseas during war times. Um, they grew beyond that, but they were still considered relatively cheap. Cheap entertainment that could do a lot of visual uh, things that were unable to be done necessarily in, you know, like film per se at the time. Right. So it, right. it had a, it had a, a, a niche, a niche to, 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 to fill. Basically you can get as fantastical as you want in a comic book because you can just draw it and there it is, right? Your imagination fills in the blanks. Hollywood couldn't necessarily do the same thing convincingly, you know? So that that's kind of why comic books became a thing and remained a thing going forward. But, you know, ever since like, I don't know, the heyday of this, the heyday of Marvel, like in the seventies after that, like the, the pop, the, the, the decline begins. And sure. We had the big, huge speculator boom in the nineties, but I mean, comics as a, mass massive you know thing has been on the decline forever and now it's a, it's a super insular niche market that relies on nostalgia and relies on people like people of our age and older even to 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 exist um it's harder and harder to hook the kids and you know you ask me like now like what are comics in 2021 well, it's it's weird because comic books in 2021 are this nostalgic again, mainly for an older audience medium. Now, mind you, the medium itself I adore. You know, sequential fiction is is sequential art is is you know, I don't know, it's an art form. It it's it's existed for forever. Even before comic books, you had comic strips and things like that. Uh yeah. And and that that all still exists to whatever to whatever degree, and I, that's kind of where I'm going. So like a comic book still has a place, but a comic book that we know it maybe it it, it it's not in vogue. But if you go on the internet, like Carl, we live in meme culture now. <laughs> Sequential art is part of that. Like there's you know four panel memes that communicate any number of things to any number of people. People understand, you know, sequential imagery with words. Like it's a, you know, that's, it's almost, it's, that's probably never going away. And that's a comic book in a way. But, yeah. but a book is, th you know, X amount of pages of that thing. And being sold now at a store that you have to go specifically to that store to find this, this thing. And you have to pay five to $6 for the thing. Uh, it, 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 
I don't know that in 2021 that is a valid thing anymore. To me, it feels like it, 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 comic books are an artifact from a former era, and they rely on people who remember that era to survive. Kids and youths certainly are not the market. The, the, they don't care about, about going to a comic book store. Why would they? You know, their their whole their whole world experience has been TV, movies, and animation to to get these kind of sequential. You know, Hollywood caught up with special effects. Animation caught up with better and better quality. They don't need to, you know, they don't need a comic book necessarily to to do fantastical things because they can see fantastical things everywhere. Um, so the fact that the, the the format of the comic book, you know, that they don't they don't care about that. We we care about that because we grew up with it and we love it and we still appreciate the art form for what it is. But that doesn't mean youths have to. <laughs> or even will. So I I don't know what comic books need to be in 2021. Um I I I don't know. It it definitely feels I feel more disconnected from comics now than I have maybe ever. And I feel like the industry maybe doesn't really know what it's doing now either. There doesn't seem to be a lot of buzz in comics right now. So yeah, that, that's I mean, my general I feeling right now. Yeah, I can't remember the last time there was like legitimate. You know what? I the last honestly, no, I can. The last time there was legitimate buzz in the industry that transcended the mainstream was uh the DC relaunch, the New Fifty Two. Yeah, that was that was what ten years ago now. It was a while. Uh, a little bit, a little bit more. Was it that that happened? Uh, that blah, 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 what the heck? Twenty eleven, boom on the nose. Ten years ago. Yeah. So, no, I get what you're saying there. I think I'm approaching this from more kind of philosophical standpoint. As far as a question of, you know, why do comics exist in twenty twenty one? I think it's because, um stories are still told stories are still communicated and passed down and passed around and uh, a form of which a story enters into existence. Uh, obviously in 2021, the options for how that story can come into existence are more numerous now than they've ever been. Um, you can write a book, you can write, you know, a TV show, a movie, video game, comic book, uh, you know, any, any number of ways you can tell a story and comic books still exist as a conveyance of stories. Now, I believe you're completely hundred percent valid in that the intended audience for comics or what their what their modern intended audience is um is dwindling uh they are now producing new readers and at a rate that they would need to sustain the medium indefinitely um i i don't think we will see the death of the medium um soon 
but it is definitely within the realm of possibility of happening within our lifetime. Um, I, I, I think. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't want to interrupt you. Um, I don't. I, didn't, I don't. Yeah, I, hope I, I hope I didn't imply that I thought things were going to die. I think, if anything, my point was that I don't. I don't know that the sequential art medium is ever going to die, but a comic book in yeah. the way that we know it, maybe, maybe its days are numbered. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, okay. Um, I mean, one important thing, one of the few, one of the things that uh, comic historians or whatnot like to point out that a lot of people always tend to forget is that there are there are two truly unique American art forms. One of them being jazz, the other being the comic book. Um, the and it's something I think that has helped to keep it around for and endure for as long as it has now. Where, where we find ourselves in 2021 with the with you know geek culture, nerd culture, for lack of a better term, uh, being so prominent in pop culture. Um which one would think should lead to an infusion of new readers. And to a point it has, um, there have been more new readers coming to books from, you know, from 2008 going forward. But again, not in a frequency that is really giving a boom to the industry. Um, So yeah, I think... You know, why do they exist? Because we still tell stories. And we tell stories in, in any any way we can. And everybody, like, certain artists are more talented in telling stories in this medium than they are in other mediums, so it's the medium that they choose either out of necessity or out of passion. Um, so, I guess to kind of move on is the question is, what do we, what do we want out of I don't know if you want to say comic books as a whole or just like a comic book. Um, uh, overall, I want... Well, for one thing, a price drop would be nice. <laughs> Comics are getting way too expensive. Um, yeah. And I say that as someone... I say that as from someone who buys them, <laughs> but also just thinking about the future of the, of the thing. Like you, you got to find a better way. You got to find a better price point to get people. I don't know. You, you can't be charging what you're charging. Um, for at least, at least for weeklies, um, trade paperback prices are probably what they need to be that, which fine, whatever that, yeah. in, in fact, that's probably the future of the industry is probably going to be a trade paperback only. Um, uh, like a yeah, and it make it makes sense in any number of ways. Um, but 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 I don't want to get too too deep down that well necessarily. But I mean, and if that if so let's just say if that did happen, comic book hey, comic books are still alive. They just come out a little later than they used to, and they're a little bigger. You know, whatever, fine. Yeah. Um, but I want cheaper prices, and I want more. Uh, I wish the bigger publishers, Marvel, DC, um, would would 
see, I'm going to say this, but at the same time, I'm, I know that it's going to, I'm going to say it. And at the same time, I don't know if I believe it, but, but I'm going to say it anyway. I wish they'd take some sure. more chances. And I say that, but then if they do that and I don't like it, I can hear people be like, well, you told me to take chances and now you're saying you don't like it. And I, I you know, I, I, that's, that's, that's the trick. Um, Marvel's last like really fertile creative period for me was like God. To the the to the early Mar- two, the early two thousands. Yeah, the early two thousands. Yeah. Marvel Knights, Grant Morrison joining up on New X Men, uh Bendis on Dare the whole well, Marvel Knights, Kevin Smith, obviously Daredevil, but then like when Bendis took it over and all that time period, um there was just a lot happening at Marvel at that time. Um, DC, I don't, I don't necessarily know. Maybe you might know a better time frame where they were really on fire creatively. Um, New 52 wasn't it. Let me, let me just be clear. Like That might have been a big event, but I don't know that it ultimately did very well <laughs> by its properties. Well, Batman it, was cool, but... And, and Batman was good. We even got if you had the owls, yeah, but yeah, Graham Morrison on Action Comics. That was great. There, there, were, there was a number of titles that were very critically acclaimed. I remember Aquaman being one of them. Like I enjoyed, I enjoyed Animal Man and Swamp Thing as well. I enjoyed those two very much. Yeah. So as far as a quality of writing, um. I think the writers were allowed to kind of stretch their legs a little bit and try some new stuff. But editorial kind of slapped them all, though. Yeah, later on down the road. Right. Like, kind of post, like, the first year of New 52, things kind of started to revert back to status quo. I just, I I want more, I, I, hmm. I selfishly, and this could be nostalgia talking, and that's where I have to be careful, because I, you know, I want the feeling of those early 2000s Marvel back. That's what I want. Um, It just felt really wild. And in that, you know, spinning out of that, I say that, though, and, like, you know, it's not like the Cap stuff going on at the time was very good, or even Thor. I think Thor was, like, iced for a while. Um, Yeah. You know, there so some stuff was riding high and, and creatively on fire. Some stuff was kind of eh, languishing and not very good. But in the wake of that period, we got you know a lot of great stuff. The Captain America series by Ed Brubaker came you know kind of in the second wave of that of that run, that early two thousand that the early two thousands kicked off, and then the Brubaker stuff came later. Um, I, you know. There just doesn't seem to be that same fire of excitement that that time period had for me. Now, again, I'm older. My perception of excitement is much different now. My time is different now. So, you know, it's it's hard for me to really say. But right. uh, there just needs to be something that gets people talking. And right now, I I don't know what that thing is. And I find myself like, you know, my, my weekly polls are dwindling and, you know, I'm just not that excited by a lot of like, who's, who's the new, who's the new hot writer in comics that I should care about? 
I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I know, yeah. I know some names. I see like Donnie Cates name come up a lot or Donnie Coates, Cates, whatever his name is. Uh, but yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like what are they doing that I should really be excited about? The last thing, I, you know what? The last thing I was really amped up about that I, that, that really gave me the, this is what comics are and can always be was saga. And that's on hiatus for who knows how long. Yeah. I mean, I think like you mentioned a lot of what you're looking for, like creativity and that fire. Um, obviously, you know, you don't have to look very far for that in image comics. No, but like, I also, there's like, you also have to kind of, with with image, it's not as everything quote safe because you don't know what you're getting into when you pick up an issue. I was just going to say like, the hard it, part there is I don't know where to start. Right, like there's always new stuff starting, which is good, and it's you know a lot of it's probably going to be really good because as I've said before, um, Image Comics is currently what Marvel was in the late sixties, early seventies. They're fearless and they're creative, um, and they're probably getting you know writers' best work, part large part in part because writers own what they produce. Um, yeah, yeah. There has been a creative drought in Marvel and DC for geez, probably since the bubble, the collector's bubble burst in the 90s because at least back then they were still trying new characters they're still trying new things like i think like i think this year uh dark hawk and sleepwalker turned 30 years old oh god thanks carl yeah. just 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 throw dirt on me yeah <laughs> put, yeah, me, yeah, put yeah. me in a hole and throw dirt on me carl <laughs> hey i'm older than you so, I, know. I know yeah there's a hole for you too <laughs> <laughs> Back in the day where where when Marvel launched a new character and a new book, you could be guaranteed that Spider-Man was guest starring in that first issue. Um, but yeah, but Image allows creators to own what they create. Marvel uh, does that. Marvel and DC both uh, do not pay creators. They either do not pay them fair deals for a new creation or simply just do not allow them to create something new because like when's the last time you had a legit new creation that honestly took off and like remained i think we talked about this fairly recently like it's probably it's either harley quinn or deadpool yeah um and those were those were back in the 90s yeah well, don't worry, Carl. We'll get a. We're gonna get a a a, 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 a Spider Gwen movie at some point. Stop it. Um. So yeah, so that what you're looking for is out there. You have to look a little harder to find it. You have to dig a little deeper. But I think an important thing is that being who we are, being how we've grown up with comics. We kind of selfishly want that for DC and Marvel because we love those characters so much. We we want we want to buy the books 
in anticipation of what's going to be in them for the quality of the writing, not just for a love of the characters. And unfortunately, right now, nostalgia is such a safe commodity that that's where Marvel and DC tend to lean. It's, you know, it, and you can see, I mean, it's, it's nostalgia, but it's also just the, I mean, it's, it's the market of, of things. Now we've talked about this before in general, like established brands are what people want. Right. People, people are wary of new things. And I really wish there was a way around that. I really wish people would be more receptive to stuff, but this, that's, this is the time that's, this is just where we are. People, people want the warm blanket of things they know. Yep. And I get that. I, I get um, it. I get it. I totally understand. And you know, we just made that point with image comics. Like I don't know where to start. Therefore I'm, I'm, I'm less likely to start. Whereas with like a, if there's a huge creative boon in, a, in Marvel or DC, I'm more likely to be into it because it's something I know being subverted in a way, you know, that's fun. And I, you know, yeah. I, I have grounding there. Whereas with something I don't know, it's unfamiliar. So whatever, but you know, you know, here I am Carl saying these things and like, look what happened to me recently. Like I, I rolled the dice on this expanse thing and now I'm all in. Yeah. Like here I am. <laughs> I, I, yep. I, and granted, I was late to the party, so I'm as guilty as anyone. I didn't jump on early on. I didn't jump on, you know, until f- five seasons of this show were existed already, you know? But I jumped on, and I'm glad I did. So, yeah, eh, we could all be a little more open-minded, I guess. No, I I, I definitely agree. Um, I, I, one thing that I've done recently that, you know, bore some fruit was, um, you guys may remember we had, uh, Amy and Jay Brent on the show. Yeah. Some episodes ago from pop seven one six. And that's where I get my, my books. And every, every once in a while I'll walk into the shop. I'll, you know, get my books. I'll browse around a bit. I'll simply go to Amy. I'll be like, Amy, give me something new. Give me, give me a recommendation. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot for at least one issue. Um, and you know what she gave me? She gave me crossover. Yeah. Which has been like one of the best books I have read in probably, geez, probably minimum the past five years. It's right up there with Saga. Um, so yeah, ask, you know, if you go to a local comic shop, I say, hey, Give me a recommendation and just like, don't really question it. Don't look at it and say, you know, Oh, I, I'm not sure about this writer or whatnot. But give me a recommendation. It's a single comic. Just throw it in your, in your bag. You never know what you might come across. Um, so yeah, I think this has been a good discussion. Um, I I was talking with Drew before the show started. I, I kind of would like to do more discussions like this, more kind of meta slash philosophical discussions. I feel the show's gotten a little too reviewy, reactionary to news, um, kind of getting away from what we originally did. So, folks, if you have 
any suggestions for topics that you would like us to talk about, by all means, shoot them our way. You might be asking yourself, Carl, how do I shoot them your way? And to that, I'm going to say, you clearly were not paying attention earlier, and you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> but, because we love you, we're going to tell you how. You can find us on Twitter, at Devils Do Pod. You can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Devils Do Pod. You can email us at the Devils Do Pod at gmail.com. Or you can find all these resources available to you on our website, the Devils Do Podcast. Dot com. Drew, that being said, any closing thoughts? Uh, let's see. The next time we record, Carl, depending on my side effects, it will be the day I will have had my second shot. Yay! So we'll, so we'll see how I feel that day. Next episode <laughs> might be slightly delayed. <laughs> we'll see. Might just be you talking to me being depend. like, oh, Carl. Oh, yeah, I, I gotta lay down. <laughs> so sleepy alright folks that's our episode this week we thank you so much for joining us as always again if you get a chance check out the memory machine available on Spotify Uh, May Lockhart does a great show um, talking about pinball machines this week in depth he's got an expert on the show her name escapes me uh, but they go in depth on like the history of pinball machines uh, maintenance and upkeep pinball machines like something something I never thought of with like maintenance and upkeep upkeep of pinball machines is something that is required much more than say an arcade machine because there's a he- very heavy metal ball bearing in that machine that is getting bashed around inside it constantly so that leads to some maintenance needs it's a complex machine. It's it's a complex machine, sort of like this show. Folks, yeah, yeah. Once again, thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time. In the meantime, be excellent to each other. <laughs> <laughs>